break. I'll let this rock for a little bit. Episode 132. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your humble and uh, highly favored host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 132. Episode 132. Hope everybody out there is doing well, healthy and wealthy. I'm doing fine. <clears throat> it's pretty nice out there. It's pretty nice out here in D.C. You know, get some, got some good weather now. We're getting some good weather. Uh... I know certain fates, I know certain areas, certain states, certain cities are going into fate in different phases. Uh, <clears throat> so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Bubba Wallace, FBI, NASCAR. Bubba Wallace, a crew member of uh, a crew member found a rope designed as or fashioned as a noose. Reported it. Bubba Wallace reported it. NASCAR got on top of it. They wanted to, you know, see if it was a hate crime, if it, if it was intended for Bubba Wallace. FBI gets involved. FBI does does its investigations of the rope. They come to find out they had video evidence, uh, pictures, saying, stating, you know, showing that this rope that is designed and fashioned as a or tied. As a noose was found, and uh, you know this this noose this rope has been there since October. I still think it's a little coincidental. I'm not gonna say fishy, but I, I find it a little coincidental that the the lone African American driver has a garage, and his garage is the only garage with the rope tied as a noose. Kind of find that suspicious, but we're not gonna talk about that. We're not gonna get into that. What I want to get into, what I want to talk about is, <clears throat> it's good, all good and gravy. FBI did its, it, it did its thorough investigations, all good and gravy. But the outcome, like when the news was broken, I seen a lot of, I seen a lot of comments, and I think, I think, um, I think with social media, the power of these phones, the power of technology. The power, the way, and how we move within society today. I think we move often. Some of us, a lot of us in this country, in this world, that's involved with social media and wanted to be in the news and trying to be in different comment sections. I think we are so we so, we are so enamored with the attention and spotlight. We always want to make the first comment. We always want to be the first to comment on something. This story has been out for two days. Obviously, I haven't parted since Monday, but or I think it was Monday or Tuesday. I haven't parted since then, early in the week. But after this news broke, I let her simmer down. I let her simmer down, and I got and I, I was just I was just you know looking at different comments and how people are feeling. And there's so many different people out here in, in society and in the world. But I said, you know what? Let me see. Let me see what's. Let me see what the people are saying. And I think too often, too quickly, we respond to news so quickly in an instant hurry because we want to be the first to comment on certain things. I think with the, with technology, social media, all these all these different social apps we want to be first to comment on something we want to be first to post something 
And it's all, it, it, sometimes it's good, but sometimes, f- 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 you know, especially when news like this comes out or when stories like this are similar, I just see too much of the same thing. And the people are like, I told you so. It, it, it was no hate crime. It was no hate crime. What, what, are, what are you telling me? What, the people that's saying, the people that's, that's giving Bubba Wallace backlash, the people that's giving NASCAR backlash, what are you saying? Because just two weeks ago, NASCAR, just two weeks ago, the Confederate flag was still, was still waving and was still a symbolic symbol of NASCAR. You're, telling, you're, you're trying to tell me that racism still doesn't exist? No, 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 no. Just because, you know, and, like I, and that's why I said on the, previous, on the previous episode, that is why I said what I said about the Bubba Wallace situation. I was like, great. I, I, I gave... Applause to Bubba Wallace and what he did. I, I loved it. He is okay with me. He is fine with me. It was NASCAR. It was his counterparts where I said, hey, that's good. That is a great starting point. The unification of NASCAR and the diversity of NASCAR and trying to bring in new fans and new participants in NASCAR. I said, that is a good start. But what are the following actions? That's what I wanted to see. Now, with this whole situation, with people coming out, you're, they're giving backlash to NASCAR. They're saying, NASCAR, you, over, you overreacted. And then, you know, people are saying, Bubba Wallace, you, 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 you overreacted. You're, you're, hyper, you're hypersensitive. You know, you're just hypersensitive. And maybe he is, but I think he has every right to be. With him being the only with him being the only African American driver in NASCAR, full time driver in NASCAR, I think he has everybody to be hypersensitive and really sensitive to things like this. I think he deserved the right. So let's just start right there. Let's let's just let's just stop all of the all of the Bubba Wallace slander. Please get it out of here. NASCAR, they, they a, a driver felt uncomfortable. A driver felt felt uncomfortable. Let alone your only black driver, your only African American driver felt uncomfortable about the situation. NASCAR had to react. Can you not read the room? Can you do, do you not read the room? NASCAR had to react. They I don't think they overreacted. I think they reacted in the right cause and the right move. They made the right move. They got FBI on the scene. And I, you know, all the people that's back, that's giving a lot of backslap, back, back, you know, giving people just hate. Bubba Wallace, you know, you're giving him backlash. You're giving NASCAR backlash. Stop it. Stop it. Because just two weeks ago, the Confederate flag, the, the, the Confederate flag was still a symbol of NASCAR. We're trying, NASCAR's clearly trying to change that. With them banning the Confederate flag, then the whole scene of Bubba Wallace after the race or before the race, prior to the race, we had the whole scene, which was great to see. NASCAR is trying to move in a different direction. And this, and, and this is exactly what I said in the previous episode. I said, hey, if NASCAR, got a, if, if, if NASCAR is fully, if they're fully committed into diversifying and making NASCAR a better sport, they are probably going to lose a good uh, they're going to they're going to lose 20 to 30% of their fans 
because 20 or 30 percent of their fans support that Confederate flag being at NASCAR events. They support that. And you know what I said? It's okay. NASCAR, develop a new and a younger fan base because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to develop in a you got to develop a new and a young fan base, a younger fan base of NASCAR because you're going to lose 20 because some of those some of those people are heated. Even a driver, a, a NASCAR driver after NASCAR announced the Confederate flag was, you know, they're going to ban the Confederate flag at all events. One NASCAR driver got up and, and left. He just quit. He cared about the he, he cared about the Confederate flag more than actually driving. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy and bogus. Absolutely crazy and bogus. And that's what I said. I said, NASCAR, you're going to lose 20%. You're going to lose at least 20% of your fans. Okay? Simple as that. You develop new ones. And how you develop new ones? Inclusion, diversity, and making your sport better. This is going to be th- th- these, and that's what I said. The previous podcast, this is a starting point. This is not the end. This is not the finish line. This is the starting point, okay? This is the starting point. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, some people coming out and say, hey, you know, oh, Bubba Wallace is overreacting. NASCAR overreacted. No, they did not. No, they did not. No, they did not. Bubba Wallace did not even report it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even make the report. A crew member made the report. A crew member made the report. Not even Bubba Wallace. But Bubba Wallace brought it to NASCAR's attention. NASCAR did what they had to do. NASCAR, they're trying to move in a different direction. But you cannot tell me, <clears throat> like the people that's saying, oh, I told you so, or the people that's saying, you know, oh, I told you so, they, they're just overreacting. No, they're not. Just two weeks ago, there was huge support of the Confederate flag. It was still a symbol of NASCAR. And you had a lot of irate fans. I'm not gonna say a lot. I'm not gonna say all. I'm not gonna say all of NASCAR fans because all of uh, obviously all of NASCAR fans they don't support the Confederate flag. Not all, but a good share of NASCAR fans were very upset about the ban of monks or you know the ban that happened with the Confederate flag. And I don't know why, but this is why you. This is what for the people that are saying. I told you so. You didn't tell me nothing. You didn't tell me nothing. The people that's you know that's that's giving backlash, NASCAR and Bubba Wallace. You didn't t- you, you didn't tell me nothing. You didn't tell me nothing. Actually, what you're doing, <clears throat> you're making my statement even much true. You're you're supporting my statement because I am now previous podcast. <laughs> I hope I hate to keep. I don't like. I, I, I don't often. On one topic, I don't I don't like to re- refer to the previous podcast or the previous episode, but on the previous episode, this is what I told NASCAR. I said, you're going to lose a select fan base. It's just as simple as that. You're going to lose 20% of your fans, but you got to develop a new one. You got to develop a new fan base. You got to develop a younger fan base. And how do you do that? <clears throat> Start making your sport 
going the, in the right directions. Make you don't. This is this is such a critical time in history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Make NASCAR on the right. Put NASCAR on the right side of history. Simple as that. Put them in the right side of history. And I'm sure Bubba Wallace feels he is at certain times in his career, in his driving career, he has felt very, uh, let's just say, uncomfortable uh, with him being the only African-American driver in NASCAR. And I think he has every right to be um, sensitive to situations like this one. He has every right. Now, Let's transition into the NBA for a lighter zone, <clears throat> but I had—I I just had to start with that. It, it was no way I couldn't start the, the, the podcast without that. I couldn't start the, this episode without that. But let's go. Let's let's move into the NBA. So you know, and I, I want to before we you know once once you know with the NBA when I want to get into with the NBA. Avery Bradley came out Lakers guard. Uh, he's a big he's a big part of what the Lakers do, especially defensively. He's one of those glue guys. Uh, Avery Bradley, two way two way player. Turns out he comes out and says, "Hey, he's gonna sit out for the NBA restart due to um, <clears throat> his his six year old son uh, struggles with respiratory. He has res- he had, his six year old son struggles with respiratory issues. He has respiratory issues." And it's, it's, it's examples like this where I will not get mad at players if they decide to sit out. Avery Bradley, um, great decision, great choice, and that's the, right, that's the right choice. That's the right choice. And I think and it's no right or wrong. That's the only choice, okay? That's the only choice. So, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad for Avery Bradley. I'm glad for Avery Bradley. But two things. The first thing is, um, it seems like LeBron never gets a break. These last few years in the playoffs and the finals, LeBron, ju- it just seems like LeBron does not get a break. Even if there's injuries or guys not playing, it just seems like LeBron does not get a break, okay? Now, the Lakers, they're probably going to go out and sign J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith, his name has been brought up. Now, let's talk about J.R. Smith first. J.R. Smith, uh, compared to Avery Bradley, I don't think he's the defender that Avery Bradley is. I don't think he's the defender that Avery Bradley is. But J.R. has had his moments where he can play defense. And I think especially in his days in Cleveland with LeBron, I know J.R. gets a bad rep at times, but he's really uh, he's, uh, he's a veteran. Uh, he's, gonna, he, he's not going to break up... W- like the Lakers have some great chemistry going on. J.R. Smith is not gonna he's not gonna disrupt that chemistry because he's a good he's actually a good locker room guy. Especially in the last few years of Cleveland, playing with LeBron, getting his life in order. He he's he's a he's a good he's a really good locker room guy, and he's not gonna be a disruption. He's not gonna he, he's not gonna be a distraction. So I don't worry about that. Now, like I said, I don't think he is. The defender that Avery Bradley is, but I think offensively, especially offensively, offensively, J.R. Smith can do everything Avery Bradley can do, if not more. So offensively, I think J.R. 
might be bringing more to the table. But not only that, not only that, I think, you know, his years in Cleveland, Jr. did show some improvement on the, on the defensive side of the basketball. So I think if you mix that with – you mix the fact that LeBron, that LeBron and Jr. have really good connection. It's a great connectivity there. They've been play, they played together for years. They won a championship together. So that that whole LeBron dynamic, not gonna, it's not gonna, it's it's not, it's gonna be positive. It's not gonna even be negative. LeBron still remains good friends with J.R. Smith. They still go on bike rides despite the 2018 finals and what happened, which was which is a bit ludicrous. But J.R. gets a bad rep. But like I said, LeBron will. I think LeBron and Jr. That that connectivity is going to be positive. Now, Le, with Jr. Offensively, he's going to bring shooting. He's going to bring. I think he's going to bring better shooting. And I just think with his offensive repertoire, I think he brings more to the table than Avery Bradley. And I think he can be a good defender at times. So, is there really a drop off between Avery Bradley and Jr. Smith? If you if you argue, yes. If you think there's a drop-off, I don't think there's a major drop-off. But if you ask me personally, I don't think there's a drop-off. Because what you get from what you get from JR and what you get from Avery Bradley offensively, you can make the argument, and I'm yet gonna make the argument, you get more offensively from J.R. Smith. Now, defensively, you probably have the edge with Avery Bradley. Younger guy, uh, just always been a better defender. And he's always pride himself on defense and defending and guarding guys. JR just now got into that. But I think I don't think there's a huge drop-off, if any. So the Lakers, they go, they're probably gonna go out and sign JR. The NBA is allowing teams to uh expand roster spaces, spots. So they're going to probably go out and sign JR to replace Avery Bradley. Now, let's talk about who's already on the Lakers squad. Um, you got now, and, the, and if J, JR probably doesn't start, JR probably comes off the bench. So you would probably think Contavious Caldwell Pope will be, uh, he would fill in Avery Bradley's starting role. I like KCP. He's a bit he's a bit similar to Avery Bradley. Um, KCP, good defender, streaky shooter at times. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's cold, he's cold. So I, you know, I think the Lakers, with if they start KCP, or the next option would be starting Alex Caruso. Now, if you look at advanced numbers, advanced stats, uh, or just stats in general. Le- when LeBron and Alex Caruso was on the floor, they're one of the better duos in basketball. Look it up. Look at the stats. Look at the numbers. If you look at, if you look, you can go look at uh, their plus minus. You can look at their point differential. When LeBron and Alex Caruso was both on the floor for the last two seasons, they have went, they have been one of the better duos in the league. So wherever, whatever route the Lakers take, I think they will be fine. Now, let's get to the other aspect about this. There are going to be NBA players that get COVID. There's going to be players that get COVID. We have all, they, I mean, a, a couple Suns players got it. Buddy Hill got it. Um, Nikola Jokic, he got, he, he's a star. 
He got he got he got COVID. So there's gonna be players that get COVID. With the NBA playoffs, every year, every year that I've been watching the NBA playoffs, I know what I'm gonna get. Usually the star players shine, uh the veteran players shine, then the rookie, the the, the younger players they tend to underperform, but the, the big time stars shine in the NBA playoffs and the veterans come through and hit big shots in the NBA playoffs. The defense gets better. The referees swallow their whistles. Not too many ticky-tack calls. That's, that's what you typically get in the NBA playoffs. That's what I know about the NBA playoffs. The stars shine and rise to the top. And whoever the best player in the league is usually gets to the finals. Whether it be LeBron or Durant or Tim Duncan or Kobe or Jordan. Usually the best player in the league gets to the finals. Simple as that. Now, the defenses, like I said, the defenses get better. The superstars shine. The referees swallow their whistles, and the veterans tend to come up in big moments. Like the veterans, like your Shane Battiers and Danny Green and Andre Godalas. They they have came through through the years. Those type of players have shined in big time playoff moments. Um, Ray Allen and uh, Mano Ginobili and Robert Ory. You have a lot of guys, a lot of veteran role players that come through in big spots throughout the playoffs. That's what I know about the playoffs. That you know, it, that's that's the that's the key difference in the NBA playoffs and the regular season. Refs swallow their whistles. Defenses get better. Veterans tend to outplay younger guys, and the stars rise to the top. That's usually what happens in the NBA playoffs. But this year, it's a it's been a like it's been what a three month break. Uh, I don't know what to expect. With 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 the with NBA, I don't know what to expect. I got some NBA scouts telling me that Zion is in good shape. I'm gonna get to that later, but wh- I don't know what to expect. I do not know what to expect with the NBA playoffs this year. And trust me, players are going to get COVID nineteen. It's just as simple as that. This unlike football, where there's a lot of padding and there's equipment. Unlike baseball, where you're, where like certain guys are distanced from each other, basketball, the guys sweat on each other, they talk to each other, they bump each other. Players are going to get COVID. Now, I don't. Well, now, how how many players get COVID per game? I don't know, but players are going to get COVID nineteen. As simple as that. Now, what I need fans to do, what I need the media not to do. The fans do not overreact. Media do not overreact. We do not need the media overreacting because players get COVID. Because players are going to get COVID. And it's very difficult to ask players to go from one bubble to another bubble. It's very difficult. So that's why I don't I'm not going to I don't I'm not going to get mad or I'm not going to bash guys like Avery Bradley and Trevor Ariza who have personal reasons that they have to deal with that I would I would argue more significant than basketball. So that is so, you know, what I typically get for the NBA playoffs. I don't I, I, I'm not expecting that. 
I now I do I don't know if the basketball is going to be good. I don't know if the basketball is going to be bad or terrible. Some players are going to come back in really good shape. Some players are going to come back in bad shape. There's going to be no fans. So do players get into a little like park ball? Do they get into scrimmage playground? I, I don't know. And that is the great thing about this whole situation. I don't know what I'm going to get. I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think the Clippers are going to be fine. When I look at the Lakers and Clippers, my, my opinions don't change on them. But I just don't know what this NBA playoffs looks like. I don't. Because players are going to get COVID. What if, what if a superstar player gets COVID? How, how does that affect a series? How long will they be out? It's it, it, it's a guessing game, and this is why I'm, I'm you know I'm a little excited. But this is it, this speaks to the risk and the seriousness of the whole situation because we don't know players can get COVID. Players play you know players are gonna come back in bad shape. Players are gonna, some players are gonna come back in great shape. Like I think LeBron, you know, he's been working out this entire time. I think he's gonna come out in good shape now. Some of his teammates, I don't know. Some of the rest of the league, I, you know, the rest of the league, I, I don't know. Some of these younger players that, that, that has not had access to, you know, to gyms and workout rooms, I don't know how they're going to look. I do not know. And that is the whole, that is the big challenge with COVID-19. And once again, baseball, you know, you're distanced from, from certain players. Football, you got equipment on, you got helmets on, you got padding on. Hockey, you got padding on and, and helmets. In basketball, these guys sweat and lean and bump and they get physical with each other, especially with playoff basketball. I do not know what this, I don't know what the NBA playoffs will encounter. That's why I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But I have, we're going to talk a little bit about baseball in their 60-game season. And you can tell I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I got a, I got a Patriots story that I want to cover. Um, and, yeah, we'll, I, I, get, I get into more of that after the quick break, guys. I got a Ford Mustang. It drives well. Got it for graduation, actually. Ford's unique family heritage, manufacturing excellence, and history of innovation is continuing to further the brand. Ford is also introducing new customer service actions aimed at making vehicle ownership easier and hassle-free. So go get your Ford today. Ford, go forward. Okay, so baseball is back. Um, <clears throat> I have already expressed my uh, my opinions about like what the new baseball season look like with the sixty-game season. Of course, with some additional rules, uh, DH in both leagues, designated hitter in both leagues, both National and American League. So that's a plus because we don't need pitchers. I like I like Max Serger, but we don't need him hitting. I don't I don't want to see Max Serger at the plate uh, batting. Uh, and then in extra innings, there is uh, you can they're going to be allowed runners at the second base on extra innings. So. We won't have 16 and 17 inning games, and the games don't end till two, 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. We just don't need that. That's just not effective. But, 
you know, you know, of course, some baseball traditions are going to come out and say, hey, you know, they, they give Rod Manford a lot of heat. And what I do know is uh, Rod Manford, I think he's a pretty good commissioner. Uh, obviously, his his sports still generate, you know, you might think of baseball being born, but his sports generate, his sports still generates billions of dollars on a yearly basis. But there's just issues that he can't fix. He can't fix certain issues. And that's what, like, when this whole negotiation process was going on with the Players Association and the owners and the league, it was deep. These are deep-rooted problems that every commissioner in the past 50 years have had trouble with in solving. And it's just not a Rod Manford problem. Uh, Now, like, for instance, college baseball, they only give 11 scholarships College basketball gives 13 to 15 scholarships. College football gives 85 scholarships. The be- so with, with that tell- with the- and you always hear in, in basketball, mainly in football though, but you always hear like there's so many great football players that were good at baseball. Russell Wilson, Kyla Murray, uh, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield. You hear so many great, you hear so many talented quarterbacks and so many talented players that play football. They were good at baseball, but baseball not giving full scholarships. The, the, those those dudes are taking the full scholarships at the collegiate level with football. So that's that's just a problem that Rod Manford can't can't solve. But I'm glad that we got two DHs. We don't need to see Max Serger. Uh, uh, Batting. We don't need to see that. We don't. We, we just don't. We we don't need to see that. Um, I'm glad that we were able. You know, this 60 game season. I've already expressed it, but this 60 game season, it gives it gives a sense of urgency, because let's let's just be honest. And and I think this is in any sport, playoff baseball, playoff basketball, playoff football. It's so much better than just the regular season. But unlike the unlike the NFL. The MLB doesn't promote urgency. There's no urgency factor with the 162 games. Now, the defending world champs, Nationals, they started off 19 and 31 in the first 50 games. 19 and 31. If they if they get onto a start like that, they won't make the playoffs. So I think this is a sign of urgency. And I think with this with this new innovative season that they are approaching that they're gonna do this year. This will give a look at 120 games from now on. We don't need 162 games. We just don't. We don't need it. Um, you know, I, teams. You know, the teams that we think are going to be good. You know, the 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 Yankees, the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Braves. I heard they're going to be good. Pretty good. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be pretty good. Uh, and then we know like the Orioles, the the the, the, the Detroit. They're not going to be good. They're not going to be good at all. <clears throat> now, I would say with the shortened season, a team like the Yankees that in the last few years especially have dealt with a lot of injuries. John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Hicks, Gary Sanchez, uh, Aaron Judge, they have all dealt with Injuries, injuries, and that's what that's what kind of hurt the Yankees last year. And they were never they were never able to find themselves, and they lost. They haven't had playoff success. They haven't gotten to 
what they're looking for. World Series number 28. They're trying to get that. So I think this is a great opportunity for them to conquer that. Also, Mike Trout gets into the postseason. We need the star. We need the biggest star in the postseason. We need to see him on the big stage, on the big moments. We haven't. We just haven't seen that throughout most of his, I mean, throughout most of his career. So I think this is a plus. If you look at it from both ways, I think it's a plus. If you're a traditionist, you got to get over it. It is what it is. <clears throat> um, it's as simple as that. It is what it is. If you if you are just a traditionist and can't get over the fact that they're going in this direction, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You got it. But we there. I think this is for the better. I think this is for the betterment of the sport. Because some people might think the sport is boring. But I mean, you're looking at the sport. You're like, it, it, this year there's so much there's so much excitement and uh, like surrounding it because you're doing something new. You're doing something new. And something refreshing. And it's about time. It's about time that they did something. And I think, uh, you know, Rob Manford, he, he's going to receive a lot of heat. But uh, it's, these, it's, just, it's just certain problems that he can't fix. And he won't be able to fix. It's just certain issues that he won't be able to fix and can't fix. So um, <clears throat> let's shift gears. So Jamal Adams, uh, he comes out. He's been he's been uh, he's been blunt lately. He's been really blunt lately. He's been coming out and saying, "Hey, uh, I, I I went out. He wants out of New York. Uh, the Jets are the Jets. They're a bad franchise. And usually with fans, you fans of these like subpar franchises, dysfunctional franchises, close your ears <clears throat> because usually this is what the fans do." You know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna list off the teams where, like, for, I mean, since I've been living, they just been bad. Detroit, Detroit Lions, been bad. Um, uh, the Jets, they never can, never seem to get it right. They always firing coaches left and right. Uh, the Browns, they can, they never seem to get it right. The Jaguars, they never seem to get it right. Fans of those type of teams. That can that just experience a lot of losing, they can, they experience a lot of losing because they fire every other coach. And when you fire every other coach and you don't develop no continuity, that means you probably got a younger quarterback. Young quarterback got to go into a new system. <laughs> that it, it that that slows down his development. You use, it's usually hard to attract free agents and attract talent because you're so bad. So what I need what I, what I need these fans we need to stop talking about firing the coach. Yes, Jamal Adams, Adam Gase don't have the greatest relationship. Adam Gase has been um on record for not having the best relationship with star players. Okay. Adam Gase, um if you if the Jets were to fire Adam Gase, who's out there? Who who's taking that Jets job? You got a you got a disgruntled superstar safety. You got a quarterback where in Sam Donald, I think he works, but you have to put the right pieces around him. You got a a young rebuilding offensive line. Your division is pretty tough, and you just don't. Your division is pretty tough, and like you got young quarterback in Josh Allen, young quarterback in team and and Tua Tagovailoa, and then you still have Belichick in New England. So your division, it's not the greatest. Who's taking that job? Actually, you're, you, and then you would think the New York Jets, they play second fiddle to the Giants in their own city. 
So there's not a lot of coaches that's out there taking that job. And, uh, you know, you can think of uh, Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. Brian Kelly in Notre Dame, he's been trying to wander around the NFL for the last few years. I like Brian Kelly. You know, he's, he's, not, the, uh, he's not your traditional Notre Dame coach who's nice and buttoned up and, and, and well-spoken. But Brian Kelly, he wins 10 games a year at Notre Dame. I think that's fine. I think that's pretty good. Uh, it's similar to the Jim Hall, my Jim Hallball take at Michigan. Him winning 10 games at Notre Dame, is, it's, it's good because Notre Dame has some of the they, – they have so high – they have such a high uh, academic standard that they want their players to live up to, that they want everybody to live up to. And just, it's just hard to get certain players into Notre Dame. So I give Brian Kelly, but – I give I, you know I give my hat to him, but Brian Kelly he's not taking that Jets job. Matt Rule he coached at Baylor. Baylor's not even a, they're, they're not a, they're not a college football power. He passed on the Jets. So they're, you know, who are you hiring? If you fire Adam Gase, who are you hiring? You're just gonna go. You're just gonna run through all these other coaches: Herm Edwards, Rex Ryan. Uh, these these are not bad coaches. I think these coaches are uh, Eric Mangini. I think these coaches are knowledgeable about the game, but you see this a lot in college football in the SEC. And, you're, and you've seen it for years in the AFC East with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Belichick and Brady were so dominant for years. Those other three teams, Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets, they have just fired a, a list of a, just a litany of coaches. And it's not the fact that the coaches are not knowledgeable enough or not good enough. First, look at the rosters that they have. And plus, how are you going to how, how are you possibly going to top Bill Belichick? And that's the same thing that happens down in, South, in, in the SEC. Alabama, the first three years Nick Saban got down there. People in the t- teams, ADs in the SEC started to realize that Alabama has a force behind them with Nick Saban. Ever since then, 104 coaches have been fired down in the SEC. 104. And, and, and Saban hasn't even been there for 20 years. 104 coaches have gotten fired due to Nick Saban's and Alabama's success. So you got to first look at the team you have. The Jets, like I said, let's decipher their roster. That Jets roster, it's not impressive. You got a young, like I said, you got a young old line. You have a Le'Veon Bell behind Sam Darnold, who Adam Gase is not really sold on, doesn't really fit the scheme. And quite frankly, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is the same Le'Veon Bell from, I don't know, two, three years ago. I don't think he is. Then you look at your defense. I mean, the only bright spot about your defense uh, is, you know, Jamal Adams. He's a, he's a top he's a top seven player in football, but he's disgruntled and he wants out. So you're looking at the Jets. You, you, you know, you're, look, you're looking at the Jets and the fans of the Jets. If you're a fan of the Jets, you can get mad. You can do whatever. You can get you can get whatever. But it's the truth. It's the matter of the truth. Your franchise is dysfunctional. Your team is dysfunctional. And it's always been dysfunctional. It's always been dysfunctional. They had a, it's, it, nobody wins with the Jets. That's why, team, that's why coaches don't even take the job. 
They don't take the job. And coaches and great coaches usually. First, there's no great coach that's just out there lingering in the streets, okay? You're just not going to find no all the, all the good coaches in the league, all the good football coaches are coaching good football teams. Simple as that. So you're not going to be you're not going to just stumble upon a really good coach. It just doesn't happen like that. Not there's no good there's no good coach out there on the market. You're not you don't you don't just stumble upon certain things. There's probably some okay candidates. There are probably some mediocre candidates. But you're not stumbling upon a good coach. Secondly, you're the Jets. You're a dysfunctional franchise. You're a dysfunctional mess. It's as simple as that. I think some of you guys need to just look at your team for who they are. I mean, and just look at them. In recent history, in for see, like for the for the last ten years, the Jets. Yeah, they had a they had their, they had a peak where they got to a couple AFC Championship games. But if you take those years away. The Jets have been an utter disappointment. And, you know, I don't want to bang on the Jets, but they've just been an utter disappointment. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And when you continue to fire coaches, good coaches are going to stay away from that. Because coaches want stability. Coaches want stability. When they get, when they get their NFL job, they don't want to have to keep pulling their kids out of elementary and middle school you know, they, they want long-term stability. And the Jets and certain teams that's in the same caliber of the Jets just don't provide that. So the good coaches that, you know, that you guys think that, you know, the Jets fans, the good coaches that you guys think is just going to come out the sky, it's it's not. They're not going to come out the sky. Because good coaches, good co- not even good coaches, coaches in general, they want stability. They want stability. They don't want to keep moving their family every three years. They want stability. And the Jets don't provide that. The Jets don't provide that. So, Jamal Adams, you can, like I said, you can think what you want of the, uh, of the move. Uh, he could be very beneficial to the 49ers because the 49ers secondary is really weak. Uh, obviously, he can be a benefit to the Cowboys. Uh, the Ravens, if he was to go to the Ravens, the Ravens already have, like, the perfect team. Uh, I can't really spot no holes, and I'm going to get to that. But, you know, you can think what you want of Jamal Adams' situation, but I keep referring back to what's going on with the Jets. I keep referring back to Sam Darnold. I keep referring back to what's surround, what, what, is, what is surrounding Sam Darnold. And then now Jamal Adams calls out and he's keep poking. He calls out Adam Gase. And Adam Gase, according to, uh, you know, sources close to Jamal Adams, Adam Gase is a major reason why Jamal Adams wants out. Not surprising. Not surprising. Now everybody, all the Jets fans, they come out of the they come out of the woodworks and the bushes, and they say, "Hey, you need to fire him." It just doesn't work like that. You fi- okay? You fire you fire uh, Adam Gates. What happens next? You you what, what happens next? You you go out and get another mediocre coach. Come on, come on. You can't you can't. It, this can't be a, a musical chairs type of game. You gotta stay. You gotta you gotta you gotta stay stable. In the front office, has to get better. Front office has to get better. So let's let's move on. Um, I, I saw this. I, I found this quite funny. I'm not even gonna stay. I'm not even gonna stay long. I'm not even gonna stick on this topic long. But I found this topic to be very funny. Um, <clears throat> so Julian Edelman, Ju, Julian Edelman. I, I I like Julian Edelman. Patriots wide receiver. He comes out and says, "Hey, 
I am I I don't need Tom Brady. You know, he 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 doesn't he he's gonna prease out to prove the doubters wrong. He takes he don't take no for an answer, according to whoever wrote this article. Whoever whoever wrote this silly article. If you if you are the boss of whoever of, of this writer that wrote this silly article about Julian Elliman, um I hate to come for people's jobs, but you need to rethink that position. Um, he's out to prove that he is not a product of Brady. Julian Edelman, uh, he led the league in drops last year. Uh, Edelman has never made a Pro Bowl. Edelman was he's never he's never been an All Pro. I, Edelman, get this, get this, get this, get 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 this, get a taste of this. In full in in three full seasons that Julian Edelman played in, and Brady played in, obviously, he has thirty six career touchdowns. Let that sink in. Thirty six career touchdowns in three seasons, in three full seasons that he played in. Randy Moss had forty seven. In, in in three years, Randy Moss had forty seven. I'm not even sure if Julian Elliman is Wes Walker. I'm not even, I don't even think he's Wes Walker. Wes Walker made a couple Pro Bowls. Wes Walker was an All-Pro. Wes Walker was good before he met Brady. Wes Walker was still productive once he left Brady. So, you know, and this is what I mean. Because I, I put out an IGTV about the Patriots and what, what, what I think about the Patriots this upcoming year. I put out an IGTV. And basically within that IGTV, and you and I've, I've said this on countless occasions, since Brady has made his departure from New England, and I have been talking about the Patriots, I don't know why it is so hard to spot the obvious. It is clearly obvious that this is a 7-9 and nine team. This is a 7-9 and nine team, and when you're talking, when you're talking about... Eight and eight, okay. Eight and eight—that's the best case scenario. Eight and eight is their best case scenario, but seven and nine, I think, is perfect because when you look at their roster, I think they win a couple home. They win a few home games. They win a home game. They they win some games. But you look at their roster offensively. Offensively, look at their roster, and then look at the schedule that they have to play. I I, I just don't see the eight plus wins. I don't see it for New England this year. And I and like I said. They need a quarterback. Belichick, he's a great defensive mind. He's a great coach. But he needs a star quarterback. 41-57 and 57, um, in Cleveland and New England. That is his combined record in Cleveland and New England without Tom, before Tom Brady. 41-57. and 57. And that was with a great defense. That's all I'm saying. And Edelman, he, he, he was never a pro bowler. Uh, Edelman was never an all-pro. He led the league in drops last year. It seems like Edelman has lost a step. And um, quite frankly, Edelman is, you know, his, his, his legacy will be he was really good in playoff games. Because he was. He was really good in playoff games. But other than that, Julian Edelman, no. He, I don't even think he's Wes Walker. I don't, I don't even think he's Wes Walker. Led the league in drops last year. Uh, I, see, I see steady decline 
And he did not help Brady. He didn't help Brady offensively much last year. That was the only guy that Brady actually looked to and trusted. But Edelman try, saying that he's going to prove everybody wrong and prove the dollars wrong. Okay, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Um, after this quick break, I'm going to talk about some Zion. Uh, of course, I got to give you guys a Zion topic. But I'm going to talk about Zion, what I think about him. Um, this should be interesting. Because usually... It does not take long to spot stars. You can, it, takes a, it takes a while to do certain things in life, but you can tell when somebody is just gifted and, talent, and talented, and you just never seen nothing like it before. I'm going to tell you about that uh, after this quick break. <laughs> You know, so when the NBA came back and I, when they announced their comeback and they said they're going to add 20 more, 22 more teams or they're going to add six more teams that would make it 22, I came back and said, hey, how? so I already told you guys the move that they were trying to make. They're trying to put Zion into the playoffs. They're trying to, they're trying, the NBA is trying their best to get Zion to the playoffs. But I made him a mark. I made him a mark. I said, hey. We don't know what Zion looks like. For all we know, he can look like... We don't know what he looks like. We had no idea if Zion was in good shape. Well, comes to find out, <clears throat> NBA executives, sources close to Zion, saying he is in good shape. And they're saying he kept up... He kept... He stayed in good shape, in great shape, throughout the quarantine. So, you know, I, you know <laughs> I, that was a joke. But with Zion, um, usually it does not take, it takes long to, it don't take long. Like American Idol. I use this for example. American Idol. They, when they do their auditions, and there's just some people that's just god awful, and they're not going to have, they're not going to have no type of career within the music industry. But then there's a couple contestants that sing, and just in the first few seconds, you're like, Oh yeah, she, that she's gonna win it. She she she's gonna be one of the ones that's gonna end up winning this thing. And in sports, I don't think it's very hard. You know, it's I don't know. Just for me personally, it's not very hard to spot different. With LeBron, it wasn't very hard to spot different. Six eight two sixty, a guy with that type of passing ability and his finishability with his athleticism, that's just different. And the league never the league never saw nothing like that before. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you never saw a guy you like when he started throwing oh, the other side of his body without looking, and he's he got all these different arm angles. You can just spot Patrick Mahomes was just it was just a different breed, and it doesn't not it does not take long to spot different with Zion. 
for a guy to be that big and can jump that high with his athleticism, you can just spot star. You can see stardom. It doesn't take long. It, it just doesn't. You can, you can, it just doesn't. It does not take long to spot stardom. Like I said, American Idol, when you see that one contestant that can really blow, <laughs> you're like, yeah, she's going to win it. And that's what Zion was. Zion was able to captivate. He captivated so many people's eyes in high school. In high school. That sounds a lot like LeBron James, right? He captivated so many people's eyes in high school. He was that captivating. Then he goes to Duke. Duke's ratings are always high. But when Zion got to Duke, like Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's a great player. And coming out of the draft, I said Jason Tatum would be able to, he'd be a guy that would average 20 in this league, no problem, as soon as he get in the league. No problem. But Zion went to Duke, different feel. Like I said, Duke's ratings are always high. But Duke's ratings went up 35% with Zion. Okay, you don't believe me. You don't find it crazy that the Pelicans, you know, they traded away Anthony Davis. And, you know, they got the number one pick. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're all good. We got Zion. Zion made his debut in January. He made his debut in late January. Mind you, he was coming off a torn meniscus. We didn't know what kind of shape he would be in. Uh, The shape he was in wasn't the greatest. He comes out. He averages 24 and, and, and 6. Unbelievable. You can, you can just spot stardom. You can spot different. And that's what, that, that's what Zion is. That is why the NBA is trying to get that. that that's why they, 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 they added six more teams. Because they're trying their best to get uh, they're trying their best to get Zion into the playoffs. And word around town, word around the league is. The NBA is pushing for Zion and LeBron to meet up in the first round. Would that be something? And this got me thinking. And I've I've been talking about this uh, since since earlier in the year when Zion came back. When Zion made his debut and, you know, he he went on an avalanche and he was, you could just tell he was going to be, he's going to be a problem. Who's going to be the next face of the league? Because... You can be like you got to be more than a great player to to like carry the league. You got to be more than a great player to be the face of the league. I think, me personally, I think Luka Doncic is the best. I think he's the better player than Zion. But Zion just looks cooler. He's much more flashier. He's a fright train coming at you. I just think Zion's going to sell more tickets. He just seems more box office. And I like Luka. But Zion just, he has the look. He has it. And a lot of guys don't have it. And I like Luka. Like I said, I think Luka is just, I think if, if Larry Bird played in this generation, he would look a lot like Luka Doncic. I think this is, I think, I think Luka is this generation's Larry Bird. But he don't have it. For many of years, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the was the best player in the league. 
But he he was a he was a Kareem was a bit of aloof. Wasn't really in you know wasn't didn't have a big personality really. Now Magic Jordan, both personalities got some flash with him. Jordan got the shoes. Magic got the smile. Plays in L.A. You gotta you gotta have some of that. It just take it takes more than skill to be the face of the league. It does. It takes more than skill to be the guy of the league. LeBron, he has the total package. He has the skills. Got a little flash. Got some personality. Speaks up on social issues. Yeah, Zion got a little bit of that too. Flashy personality. Athletic, flashy. It's pretty spot. It's pretty easy to spot different. That is that's what you call different. That's what you call it. Because I look at I look at guys like Giannis. Giannis is a great player, great young young talented player. But does he have the personality to be the face of the league? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, James Harden. I like James Harden. Some of you guys don't think I like James Harden, but does James Hur- like does he want to be the face of the league? I don't think James Harden want to be the face of the league. He doesn't. He doesn't demand all that attention. You guys think I hate Russell Westbrook? I've shown Russell Westbrook some love last few times I talked about him. But get this: Does Westbrook like he's flashy? He's athletic, but Westbrook is kind of hard to get with. You know, the media, he has his, he has his fights with the media. Uh, can't really be the face of the league. So there's just different guys that can't be the face of the league. Um, and, I, and this is why I think Zion is the next face of the league. Once LeBron, uh, you know, slows down, that's if he does. No, nah, he's going to slow down one day. But when LeBron slows down, Zion, I think, is next up in line to be the face of the league. Even if he's not the best player in the league. Uh, Even if he's not the best. Because I think Luka's better. I think Jason Tatum might be a better player right now than than, than Zion. But they don't have the personality. They don't have the flash. They don't have the cool factor to uh, be the face of the league. So let's shift gears. Uh, you know, I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. So, with... This is my thing, okay? Pro Football Focus came out and said, here are the top five teams. Now, you guys are probably thinking on paper, on like as far as roster, Pro Football Focus ranked the, top, the, the best teams. They did like a little power rankings. I, for the most part... I like Pro Football Focus. I like Pro Football Focus for the most part. They 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 be screwing up with Russell Wilson sometimes, but I for the most part I like Pro Football Focus. Now let me tell you this: <clears throat> looking at the top five teams, you can probably guess the top four: San Francisco, Kansas City, Baltimore, New Orleans. Top four, but look who comes at number five. And this goes to all. This goes to everybody that is doubting um, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Tampa Bay is at number five. Pro Football Focus ranked Tampa Bay as the excuse me as the fifth best roster in football. 
And I am not surprised. Tampa, and, and, and it's not because they got Bella, it's not because they got Rob Gronkowski and Brady. They have the best receiving duo in the league and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They have two two talented, let's just say two talented tight ends in Cameron Bright and OJ Howard. Then I look at their linebacking core. It's pretty good. Levante David, David White, their linebacking core is really good. And their defense played really well down the stretch. And Brady's probably looking at Jameis Winston's stats. It's like, hold up, Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards and 32 touchdowns with with this roster? Could you imagine what Brady's going to do? I'm not saying Brady's going to have, like, I'm not not saying he's going to have, like, one of those 2007 years where he throws the 50 touchdowns. But a lot of people, a lot of people tend to think Brady lost a step. Uh, probably so. But with this improved offensive weapons that he have, because in New England, please, please name the one offensive, the one offensive threat that New England has. Name them. What's the who's the electrifying threat offensively that the Patriots have? Julian Elliman? Who led the league in drops last year? You gonna sell me on Jacoby Myers? No way. Tampa Bay has Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, an improved offensive line, a coach in Bruce Arians who likes to throw the ball, Ronald Jones in the backfield. For people that are saying Tampa Bay is gonna be eight and eight, how? How? They went okay. They went 7-9 last year. I gave you guys the stats with Jameis Winston. I, I, I keep giving you guys, just I just keep giving you guys stats and stats and stats and numbers and numbers. Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions. Brady, if you cut those, let's just say Brady, and Brady, I don't think he'll throw 15 interceptions, but let's just say you cut that number in half. Tampa Bay is going to win two or three more games more because Jameis Winston made a lot of late turnovers and he made a lot of turnovers in late situations. Brady's not going to make those type of decisions. Plus, he's Brady. He's not going to make those type of decisions that Jameis Winston made in fourth quarters and in close games. So I think just by way of that, just by way of that, Tampa Bay will win two to three more games than they did last year. So I have them at ten and six. I don't think that's outrageous. I think that is. Uh, I think that's just about right. And it seems like it seems like I don't know what it is. And maybe it's a Belichick and Brady thing. Like who's gonna who's gonna survive without the other? But people are having a hard time, you know, you know, people are having a hard time trying to digest the fact that Brady, that, that Belichick in New England is going to be finished. That's, they're going to finish seven and nine. And you can't give me another reason why they're going to have a higher record than eight and eight. What reason can you give me that they're going to have a better record than eight and eight? People that are saying they're going to go ten and six. Where are the ten wins? <laughs> where are the ten wins? And, and with Tampa Bay on the flip side, with Tom Brady, 
They won seven games last year with Jameis Winston. And he had all those turnovers. Brady is a better quarterback, and Brady's not going to have all those turnovers. You don't think they're going to win nine games? I say ten. I'm not saying they're going to win their division. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. But could you admit, could you just admit that they're going to be better than they were last year, and they're going to be better than the they're going to be better than the Patriots. The Buccaneers with Brady are going to be better than the Patriots. The Patriots would be seven and nine. I think the Buccaneers would be ten and six. Simple as that. And I look at all the and and with Baltimore, I, I just want to point out something with Baltimore. Baltimore, they have to have the best looking roster I've seen in a. Looking at their roster. You know, at first when I did my predictions, I said eleven and five. Then I came back again. I said, you know what? No, they're gonna, they're gonna. I don't, I don't see five losses in this schedule. With the team that Baltimore has, if Lamar Jackson takes the next step, which I think he will, but he was already an MVP caliber player last year. But if he takes that next step as a quarterback, as a, as a, you know, as a playoff winning quarterback. And hoping to win his first Super Bowl, if he takes that next that next step, that Baltimore team, Lord. I mean, their, their weakness last year was pass rushing, right? That was their weakness last year. They had a, they had they had a they had one of the better secondaries in football last year. Their offense was obviously one of the better ones in in, in football last year. Baltimore struggle getting to the passer. They struggle with their pass rushers. They added Calais Campbell. By the way, side note, I always like to see veteran players who play for some bad franchises. Like guys like Calais Campbell, who is like, he's an all-timer, big-time player, and he finally gets a chance to play with a competitor of really good team. It just means a lot. I, I I like to see that, but there's no holes in Baltimore team, <laughs> quarterback, offense, O line, weapons. Then you look at their defense. They got pass rushers. They got linebackers. They got one of the better secondaries in the league. I don't see no weaknesses with Baltimore roster. I just don't. I look at New Orleans roster. New Orleans, they got an aging quarterback who's not mobile in Drew Brees. Drew Brees is not mobile, and he doesn't stretch the field. Plus, you know, the Saints' defense is hit or miss at times. It could be hit or miss. With San Francisco, I like the 49ers. I like the 49ers team. I think they might have the second-best team in the league. But the 49ers, their secondary is not – It's not. It's, they, they can use improvements in the secondary. Secondary is not that good. It, it, it's not. It's it's nothing to go home and tell mama about. But their front seven is solid. It's really it's it's excellent. O line is excellent. They got a they got a franchise quarterback with some nice weapons in Kyle Shanahan. But even the 49ers have a hole. I can go down the list. Um, Kansas City. Kansas City. Kansas City. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Andy Reid. I think I you know if you ask me. They still might be my favorites, but their defense for the first half of the year last year wasn't really impressive. 
They turned it around this year. I mean, they turned it around down the stretch of last year. But the first eight to ten weeks, Kansas City defense was not was not good. Um, Buffalo, Buffalo got a young offensive line. I'm just going down the list. Buffalo got a young offensive line that they're trying to retool and rebuild. Um, the Cowboys got defensive needs. They have, I mean, the Cowboys have numerous of defensive needs, especially in their back end, their secondary, their secondary is really young. Philadelphia. I like the Eagles. I like Carson Wentz, but the receiver position, it has a lot of talent, but we don't know. There's a lot of talent that they that they have that they have acquired in the receiver position because that was a that was a glaring weakness in their team last year, but we don't know. Also, Carson Wentz got to keep him upright. So, um, you know, that's Baltimore, boy oh boy. Baltimore cuz I, I look at their schedule, I don't see three losses. I just don't see three losses. I don't know. I just don't see three losses. I mean, you look at their roster up and down. <clears throat> you try to find a hole. You can't find them. There's no weaknesses. Uh, if Lamar takes that next step, if like if Lamar takes that next step, boy, oh, boy, Baltimore, Baltimore is going to be scary. Baltimore is going to win the whole thing if he takes the next step. I know it might be too early to say that, but... Look at their roster, coaching, check, roster, check, uh, O-line, check, weapons, check, defense, D-line, linebacking core, secondary. <laughs> uh, I think Baltimore might have something special brewing. And they're not paying Lamar nothing. They're not paying Lamar nothing. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP, uh, the Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 132. This is episode 132, yep. I think so. I think this is episode 132. I, I would hope so. Because I don't... Uh, sorry. This has to be episode 132. Yep, this is episode 132. 132 of the IKP, of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um... One thing before I let you guys go, uh, continue to stream this podcast, you know, wherever you do it from, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you can Google search it, you can find it, you can, I mean, you can just find it anywhere, there's just no excuse at this point, I mean, <laughs> there's just no excuse, there's just no excuse at this point, I will be joining, I will be doing something um, via YouTube. I'm yeah, I'm I'm joining, you know, so I'm going to somebody else's uh YouTube channel. Uh for you know, I think you know talk about a couple sports topics. You guys can check into that. I will as soon as I get the link, I'll link it. I can link it like at the bottom of the description. Um <clears throat> when you scroll down of the podcast de- details. Uh but thank you guys for listening once again. Uh, you know, we gotta you know, next month, I like I said, next month in July, it's a big month in Ju- July. You get the MLS back. You get MLB back. We get the NBA back. Uh, like I said, the NBA. I'm. A, you know, these are closing remarks. The NBA. They have. They have set up insurances because uh, that's what the younger players within the league were asking league office about 
different types of insurance policies about with the COVID. And it's as simple as this. I said it earlier. Players are going to get COVID. Okay? I, I, I just We just don't need fans and we don't need media to overreact. But it's a simple, it's a simple fact. Players are going to get COVID-19. <laughs> so do not act surprised. Do not act shocked. Don't be, don't, don't over-exaggerate. Oh, they, they need to cancel the season. One player got COVID. Now, if it's a, if now, if like, if just a bunch of players just break out with COVID, then they'll probably have to do that. But I don't, but that's why I said, we don't know what the playoffs is going to look like. Because unlike football, unlike hockey, unlike baseball, with baseball, most players are distanced from each other. Football, they have equipment, they got padding going. Hockey, they got equipment and padding going, and helmets. And basketball, these guys sweat on each other, they bump, they bump each other, they talk to each other. So we don't know what it's going to look like. But I can only assume that some players are probably going to get COVID. Some players will probably get COVID. And I don't know how that affects playoff series. That may affect playoff series. That, that very well may affect playoff series. But some players are going to get COVID. It's as simple as that. They will have to go through the right date, you know, once they... Now, once I, I would assume once players get, you know, if players do end up testing positive for COVID-19, I'm sure the NBA will have a list of procedures and steps that they will have to follow. I think they will have to do the two-week quarantine or whatever. They had to stay isolated from everybody else. But we don't know what's going to happen, especially with the NBA. That's why the NBA, I, I, I applaud them um, for continuing the season, even with the social issues going on. I must say... The NBA, um, they're always, and Adam Silver, he's always doing a great job with addressing these social issues. He lets the players protest. He let the players talk a little bit. Now, I have, I have on occasion, on this podcast, I've, I, on occasion, I have talked about um, how I think with the NBA, there's a downside to players speaking out. But as far as, like, just speaking out on just topics, on COVID, that they're just not educated about. But with social issues going on, I do applaud the NBA with, uh, with letting their players protest, letting their players talk and talk about, the so, you know, social issues. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's that. But the NBA is in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. And I think, like I said, unlike all these other sports, the guys sweat on each other. They bump each other. They don't have no, like, padding, no equipment around them that, like, could possibly protect them from COVID. So some of these players might get COVID. I, 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 I'd be the first to say it. Some of these players are going to get COVID. Simple as that. Now, you know, you might going to overreact. You're like, how could you say such a thing? No, I mean... It's possible. It's, I think it's very much possible. Some of these players are going to get COVID. Probably some coaches are going to get COVID. You know, team, people that's associated with the team in some form or fashion are probably going to get COVID. We just don't need the media or the, the, we just don't need the media or the players overreacting. Or the, uh, not the players, but the fans. We don't need the fans 
and the media overreacting. So, you know, if one player get COVID, we don't need to, oh, we don't need to, we, we know. We, this has been the reality of our country, of our world, of our environment for the last, what, three, four months. We've seen COVID cases and COVID news for the last three, four months. Please don't over-exaggerate. Now, if, now if, there's a just, if there's just hundreds of players that end up getting it, they'll probably have to cancel the season because there's too many players. But there's going to be some players that get COVID. Uh, but once again, I'm out. Two choices, one decision. Deuces. I catch you guys um, next week, <clears throat> obviously. Catch you guys next week. End the week off with this. Uh, I catch you guys later. Deuces. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.